there are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. This is soul to soul on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kaddish, Pasha's Ki Savoy, Tav Shin Barely two weeks until Rosh Hashanah. In fact, two weeks from tonight is the Yom HaKadosh Rosh Hashanah. We are all looking forward to and waiting expectantly and with trepidation for a warm welcome to all of our family to our show this week. We're so glad. You joined us. Today's Limud Bez Hashem should be Erufu Shalema for Menachem Ruven Ben Pes Yehudis, for Elchanan Ben Doris, for Yitzchak Yehuda Ben Miriam, for Peretz Ben Pesa, for Yisrael Ben Zlata Esther, and for Arya Elia Ben Miriam. Bez Hashem, the Torah we learned today should be Taka uh, as Kostanam for Erufu Shalema. In the Pasha, we're going to read tomorrow, Bez Hashem, so the declaration of the person who brings his Bikurim. He says, I'm going to speak right, of course, in the Haggadah, And the Egyptians sort of mistreated us. Now, the Egyptians were cruel to us, making us suffer and imposing harsh slavery on us. And of course, we cried to Hashem, right, the God of our ancestors, and Hashem heard our voice, and Vayaras on Yenu, he saw our suffering, our harsh labor, and our distress. Now, interestingly, Chazal, which is actually brought in the, in the Haggadah, interpret each of the latter phrases, right? Our suffering, our harsh labor, and our distress. They appear, however, to have ignored the beginning of the Pasuk. Vayoreyu Isan Hamitsun. The Egyptians were cruel to us, making us suffer and imposing this harsh slavery on us. In the Haggadah, the second part of the Pasuk is explained as follows. Suffering refers to the separation of men from women. Harsh labor relates to the murder of our children. And distress refers to our stress. Why do Chazal explain the second part of the Pasuk while ignoring the beginning, they were cruel to us, that they, that they focused on, on Hashem listening to our voices and skim over the Egyptians' cruelty to, to us. It's, it's quite, quite enigmatic. So I've claimed him as Kalman Shapira, the Bazanska Rebbe, who was the Rebbe actually of, of Warsaw, was murdered together with millions of his brothers and sisters. While he left no biological progeny, his writings have fascinated students from all aspects of the Jewish spectrum. He brings a Gemara in Shabbos, Dafyud Gimel, which says that dead flesh of a living person doesn't feel the scalpel. The verb explains that we can only feel a bone-crunching sensation throughout our body Right? The universe is blacked out for us. Day and night have ceased to exist, he wrote. We feel nothing but disorientation and confusion. It feels as if the entire world is pressing down on us, squeezing, squashing, and stressing us. Hashem forbid to, to, to almost to the bursting point. We are unable to feel the details of each torment or even gauge the degree of its pain. Thus the Rebbe explains why Chazal did not interpret the first part of the text. The Egyptians were cruel to us because the Jews did not experience every harsh degree individually. They experienced it as a community who had lost so much and who had experienced such indescribable pain, they had collectively reached the extreme level of, so to speak, dead flesh, numb and forlorn. Yet, HaKadosh Baruch Hu heard our voice and observed the most minute detail 
of every single torment, of every single person. Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu had mercy and saved the Jewish people from the cruel Egyptians. This is the specter sometimes to appreciate HaKadosh Baruch Hu's uh, uh, all Hashem does for us. We can't even understand all the suffering we go to. We just kind of collectively give one sigh and bez Hashem. Through that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu hears our voice and, and saves us. This is 11.95 in the program of Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment with so much more. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Soul to Soul on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh Parshas Kisabai Tov Shin Pe Gimel. As we prepare for another beautiful, beautiful Shabbos, a Shabbos in which we read the terrible, terrible promises and predictions of what could happen to us if we don't listen to to the mitzvahs of Hashem. And the sort of center point of that diatribe against us is the pasuk of Tachas Hashem on account of the fact that you did not serve Hashem Lekecha. Hashem your God b'simcha uvetuv levav with happiness and with a good heart, with a full heart. Meiroiv kol when you had everything. Let's talk a little bit therefore about this aspect of simcha, and especially as we're approaching the Yom Noroim, times of dread, times of fear, times we're a little bit uneasy. It's especially important to talk about simcha. I'll tell you an awesome story that Yaakov Kamnetsky Zatzal told. says he had the opportunity to recognize a, a particular Jew who was very, very far away from Torah Mitzvah. In other words, he almost knew nothing about, about Yiddishkeit. But amazingly enough, there were two verses, two psukim from the Torah that were, that he knew very, very well. A heart almost. What were they? Two psukim from the Pasha. Uvo alecha kolha klala sa'ila. Says the Torah, and all these curses will come out, will come upon you. Urdofucha, they will chase you. Visiguka, they'll catch on to you. Kilai shamata, because, because you didn't listen to the voice of Hashem. And then this pasuk. Tachas on account of the fact Asher lo yovalentos Hashem lekecha, and you didn't serve Hashem your God with simchov with happiness and with a full heart. Meiroiv kol when you had everything. These pesukim he knew, and that's it. So Yaakov was was amazed, and he says, "How do you know these particular pesukim of all the, the many thousands of pesukim in the Torah? You couldn't find any other pesukim besides these two to know." So the year told him as follows, that he unfortunately underwent the terrible, awesome suffering uh, of the war. When he went through the war and he saw scary, awesome things that you can't even, you couldn't even write about. And, 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 and he says, uh, if you would write about them, you'd run out of paper and, 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 and you still wouldn't have told the entire story. However, there's one thing that he saw that remains in his in his memory and will never ever leave it. He says this was one of the the camps where he was on one day. So he saw in front of his eyes an awesome sight. He saw the the, the cursed Rasham, the Nazis, Yamach Shemam. So they sort of grabbed a particular young young man who was. In that in that uh, camp, they took him and they they put a load on him, incredibly heavy loads, much more than any human being could carry, and they commanded him to climb the nearby mountain, go back and forth, and to sort of drag on his back these heavy loads, right, without any purpose, any benefit at all, only in order. To, to make fun of him. Those who were showing, they even stood there and they were watching. Right? They were watching him, as I say, with, with seven eyes. That's He shouldn't stop and he shouldn't rest even for one moment from his walking. This poor Avreich was going up the mountain and coming down, going up and going down with unbelievable strength. 
where as he was walking, you could see his his face was burning like like like, like uh, it was red and 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 the and, and the sweat was pouring down. And, and but as he was walking, he was accepting the din, accepting the judgment of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. He went up and up with 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 energy, and 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 and, and while he was walking, he constantly went over those sukkim. All these curses will come. That's all because you didn't serve Akalish Baruch Hu This this vision remains so indelibly etched in my mind and and my heart that even many many years later, those sukkim were still etched in in my memory, and they never will leave. This this uh, young man who the story was about was none other than the Tzanzerebe, the, the Kleisenberger, Kleisenberger Regi. And he accepted upon himself the judgment of HaKadosh Baruch Hu with love. And because of his greatness, he understood that the suffering was happening to him because he was somehow lacking in his in his simcha, in, in his Avodah Hashem. And of course, we constantly dive into HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that we should never ever have to know any kind of suffering like this. But from this story, we learn about the greatness of the obligation to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a sense of absolute joy and, and happiness. In whatever situation we might have be in, we have to try and make every effort to to uh, attack it, to to be involved in it, with this midah of simcha, which is the 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 foundation of our avodas Hashem, simcha Hashem, rejoice Hashem, the gilut tzadikim, and rejoice in tzadikim. Varinu kol yisraelim, all you people who are yisharim, who are straight of heart, the, the situation of simcha is the most important one that we have to try to imbibe. Do you know the meaning of our, of, of, of our brothers, the Svardim, is to say Slichas already starting from right after Rosh Chodesh Evel, Rosh Chodesh Elul, which of course the, the, the my love of, of Slichas, the incredible level of Slichas is very, very great. In fact, as the, uh, it's written in, in the Shari Shiva himself, himself writes, quoting the, the Chidah in, in Birke Yosef, in the name of the, of the uh, Sefer Tur Brachas, says, it's better during these days to say more slichas and tachanunim with the tzibun, even then learning Torah. And he brings also in the name of the, of the Birke Yosef, that he saw some Rabbanim that always were busy learning halacha and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, in, in their Sfarim, and in Elul, they would leave a little bit side time from their starim to to learn and and just daven to to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. The the Duvna the Duvna Magid brings a marshal to explain why do they do we uh, always get up and and say slichas before before Rosh Hashanah. And he says he compares it to some big businessman. Who bought for his, uh, his favorite son a beautiful, beautiful, expensive garment. But he warned him very much, please don't dirty this garment because he spent a huge amount of money buying it. But of course, the son was a foolish, normal son, wasn't careful at all and didn't even think about how, what he was doing, where he was going. And he fell into a, a pit full of, of mud and stuff. And the entire garment, this expensive garment, got so dirty. The son was so scared. What's he going to do? What's his father going to say when he hears what happened? And he had no doubt that his father was going to get incredibly angry at him and would probably punish him in a terrible, terrible, severe way. Especially when he heard that the son was so careless where he went and what he was doing. And basically, this was almost a wanton case of damage where he went into a place where he knew there was a dirt and, and mud. 
He was so scared. He didn't know what to do with himself. And you couldn't, you couldn't rest. So what should we do? So one of his, one of his, uh, good friends came to him with a very, very good suggestion. He says, don't wait till your father finds out about what happened from other people. Cause they're gonna tell him exactly how you weren't careful about the expensive garment that he, that, that he made so much effort and, and how much, how much money he spent on it. And if, if he is from somebody else, there's no doubt that your father's gonna be so angry at you and he's going to find you and he's gonna punish you with all of his kayak. Better. Run. Go you. Run to your father. Straight away. And, even before he manages to hear from some from somebody else, and cry in front of him, and tell him with great pain and with great sadness that you fell with the beggar into into the into the dirt and into the mud, and how how, how upset you are about the 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 this beautiful garment that no longer looks so so nice. And I promise you that if you do that, your father's mercy will be aroused. And he's gonna, he's gonna forgive you. And the father did exactly as his father had suggested. He went and he was crying. And of course, his father, it hit a soft spot in his father's heart. And his father's waved, you know, sort of dried his tears and, and told him, don't worry, we'll get it dry clean. Everything's gonna be fine. And, yeah, who gave us a beautiful, holy nishama. But of course, we also have have uh, have messed it up in such a in such a bad bad way, and there's no way. So we have to come to Hakadosh Baruch Hu and we have to cry, and we know that Hakadosh Baruch Hu will will forgive us. One one point nine High FM. This is Soul to Soul. We'll be back on the radio in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on one hundred one point nine High FM. This is Soul to Soul. Back. On your radio, Erev Shabbos, Kedish, Pashas, Kisavai, Tov, Shin, Pei, Gimel. Just two weeks almost to the hour before Rosh Hashanah. We're talking about the need to be in a state of Simcha. We just brought the analogy of the Duvna Magid. How, why it is that we get up early before Rosh Hashanah and we start begging our Kaddish Baruch and saying Slichas. And we said, it's like the boy who's had this expensive coat given to him by his dear loving father. And he dirtied the coat. And, and he was un, he was careless with it, and he was given the advice: the only way you're going to avoid your father's wrath and punishment is to run to him and wrap yourself around his legs and cry and beseech him and tell him how silly you were to 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 mess it up, and for sure he'd forgive you. And we too, we have no other no other no other way we can do it. It's we can't wait until Rosh Hashanah, because, and then, because then the, the Sutton's gonna get up and he's gonna accuse us and tell all the bad deeds that, that we did. Because he has a way of expression, he has an incredible way of depicting before HaKadosh Baruch Hu in such a way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will, will, will see our, our actions in a bad light. Rather, let's run ourselves to our Father in Heaven and tell Him, all the terrible things exactly as they are. And we, 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 you know, we, we've fallen and we've, and we've dirted ourselves and we've done many, many others and we feel so bad about it. And then certainly Hakadosh Baruch Hu's Rachim Hashem's mercy will be aroused for us and He'll forgive us for all of our sins. Right? And, and because Hakadosh Baruch Hu, as it says, you mean Hashem's right hand is outstretched to accept those who do, who do tshuva. And that's what we do during the time of Slichas. We run and we go into Hakadosh Baruch even before Rosh Hashanah, which is the Yamadin. We get up early, Amish in the morning, which is a time, a special time of, of, of closeness. And, and mercy before, before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we gather together in Shul and on Beis to pour out our, our pleas before our Father, our, our Shepherd, the King of all Kings, to cry in front of Him on what that we, we, uh, we've besmirched ourselves with all kinds of Averis and to try to arouse for us the Rachme Shemaim, the mercy of, of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But we understand also that we need to pay attention to what exactly we say. That it shouldn't just be 
external. It shouldn't just be lip service because the whole purpose of saying slichas is to really ask HaKadosh Baruch in a meaningful and heartfelt way to ask Hashem for slicha for atonement, for, for, for forgiveness from HaKadosh Baruch who runs the world. And if we don't have kavana with what we say, we just say the words as quickly as we can and with as you know, kind of just to rattle it off and, and, and we don't put heart into it. Then what purpose is it in all things that, that we're, that we're saying? And we know, you know, the, 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 uh, you say, the Shedish Avoida, he, he screams about this and he says, says, my brothers, my friends, we need, right, to know this very, very clearly from the beginning. Right? When we, we, we call it slichos. Slichos means forgiveness. Right? And why is it called that? This tremendous, tremendous, we can unleash tremendous mercy and, and, and beseechment before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Right? And ask him for forgiveness of our, of our sins. Sheyim cholonu habayiriz Baruch Hashem should forgive us for everything we've done. But certainly, Every man, every woman who's going to come to the, to, as we say in the Megillah, right? Who's coming before the, the, the king to ask for a slichas, for, for Zaveris, right? Without doing a proper tshuva. So, what, 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 what chance do we have? Right? You can daven as long as you want for all the slichas avainus, but if you don't do tshuva, what, what does it all mean? Right? He says, people ask each other, did you, did you say, did you say slichas? And say, yes. So I already said the slichas. Right? But I haven't even thought about what in fact I'm saying. Right? So he says, Halavai Shayyim Rabbi is Barak Shumaya Slichas. Right? It's, 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 if you want to say, you want to say Slichas, great. But don't do it without at the same time performing a real tshuva. And therefore he says, a person should make an effort at the time when he's saying Slichas to accept upon himself to do a real, honest, sincere, and meaningful tshuva. In other words, to really feel regret, to really feel bad, to really be upset about the things he's done in the past, and to really make a serious, right, a meaningful uh, undertaking to try to improve in, in, in the future. But there's one issue that we have to work on, and that is, it's, it's quite, quite amazing. How is it that there's the minig of the Jewish nation to sing, we sing when we say slichas. Like for instance, when we say the 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 piyutz of adoin haslichas, right? We sing that all. Right? It would be better to sort of to say it in, in, in a voice of crying and beseeching. Why are we singing? So to understand this, we need to learn together a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah Daf Tzayin, where the Gemara brings imul lefanah Rosh Hashanah Malchus. Hashem says, say in front of me on Rosh Hashanah, Malchus, right? Declare me as king, Zechronus, remembrances, the Shoifers, and Shoifers. Malchus, why do we say Malchus? The essential part of Rosh Hashanah is that you accept me as your king over you. Say Zechronus, why? That memories of you, good, faithful, good memories, should come up before Hashem. And how do we do it? With the shayfar. Um, Rabbi says, Why do we blow with a, a, a shayfar from a ram? Says, Blow before me with a shayfar of an ayel, so that I'll remember for you the akeda of Yitzchak ben Avram. And I'll consider it as if you also bound yourselves in front of me. So we see that the, the skula of Tkiyas HaShayfa Rosh Hashanah is to arouse the zuchus of Akedas Yitzchak for Am Yisrael. And the obvious question is, if so, as happens this year, when Rosh Hashanah falls on Shabbos, 
So Chazal made a gzera, Chazal made an enactment that we don't blow the shofar. Why? Maybe someone will suddenly find out that he needs to blow the shofar and he might end up carrying the shofar for Amos in a public place. And therefore, he's breaking Shabbos. So if that's so, why do you have to worry about a, a such a, a improbable case of, of, of Hill or Shabbos, and instead of that, we're going to sacrifice this incredible mitzvah of blowing on the shofar? Yes, I understand. And Allah will say, yes, uh, we, we aren't really canceling the mitzvah. We're just not doing it. Sheva Taisa was sitting and not doing the mitzvah. But still, this is a much blowing shofar since we are much, much more important issue. This is the Yom Adin. And without the Zechus of, of the Akedas Yitzchok, which is aroused by the Tzkiyas HaShoifer, so Chas Hashom, this could be, uh, uh, you know, set up a situation where HaKadosh Baruch Hu will, uh, will be looking at us negatively. He won't remember the Akedah. The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah on Tezayin Amabez says in the name of Rabbi Yitzchak, Kal Shana She'ein Taikim Ba B'Tchilasa, any year where we don't blow the shofar in the beginning, Marian Leibesov, it could be Chas Hashanah, not, not the best of years. My time, what's the reason? Delight Irbe Vasatan, we didn't manage to confuse the Satan without blowing the shofar. So, because of this really, really uncommon situation. Someone might, might carry the shofar in a shusra. Maybe someone's going to carry that shofar. We're going to lose this, this, this whole mitzvah. We're going to lose the opportunity to, to pour out our hearts and, and arouse all these zechoyas of, of tkiyas shofar. Something that could cause terrible, terrible decrees for all of Christ for the whole year. How is that possible? So in order to, to answer that question, we need to just understand a little bit about Akedis, Akedis Yitzhak. The accepted understanding is that the Nisayan, the test of the Akeda, was the biggest and most difficult of all the ten tests that Avram Vinu was tested. Why? Because he was asked to bring his beloved son, his only son, the son we knew was going to be the legacy and the heir apparent to everything that Abraham was trying to teach the world, which is something beyond human ability to to uh, to to do in order to fulfill the Ratzon of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. However, Abraham had already gone before this through other very very serious tests with his older son. Yishmael, that he also loved him very, very much. And nevertheless, HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded him to listen to the wife of his Sarah and to chase out Hagar and Yishmael, her son, from his house. In spite of the fact that chasing him out to, to the desert was literally a case of putting his life on the line. It was Sakharis Nefashas. As in fact, the Pasuk says, They had no water. They were in the scorching hot desert and they had no water. She threw the child down and she went and sat away and she said, Please, don't make me watch my son die. And Avraham Avinu was tremendously difficult to send him away. As it says, This was so, Avram found this so, so difficult to do about his son. And if so, we have to understand what is so special about the Akedah Yitzchak. So the Ran, in, in his Joshus, he says something tremendous based on, 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 on the inference in the Pesukim. He gives a whole new look at the Nisayan of the Akeda and, and what it was. He says, in all the previous tests, HaKadosh Baruch Hu spoke to Avram in, in a command. He says, Lech Lecha, go from your land. Chase this child away. However, by Nisayan of the Akeda, we don't find that it was a command. It was a lotion of a request. Please take your son, your only son. Right? The Ran explains that HaKadosh Baruch Hu 
Dafka used an expression of requesting. Why? For the, for the reason that Avram would be able, if he wanted to, to exempt himself by saying, no, no, this one is too difficult. I, I'm not able to do, to do this one or something like that. And if so, HaKadosh Baruch, because he never commanded him to do it, HaKadosh Baruch would not have been upset at Avram and everything would have been, would have been fine. If so, the, the, the incredible thing about the Nisayan, about this tenth Nisayan was, and why it was more difficult, was the fact that you don't have to do it. Only if you want. I'll understand fully if you cannot do this Nisayan. Now, now we understand the tremendous deep connection between Avraham Avinu and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Why? Would, would, would he listen to HaKadosh Baruch Hu only from his own desire to fulfill his obligation and to be like, so to speak, yeah, alright with Hashem? Or was he so connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu like a son who loves his father? Avram had no doubts. He knew exactly what to do, that he was going to do the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but what he wanted, he wanted to make sure that he was doing with an absolute and full heart. And specifically in this point is the difference between an Eved, a slave, and a son. Right? A, a, if, if he does the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of love or because he's forced to. Right? That's the difference. That's the reason why Avraham Avinu was Zeche to be called by the special expression of Avram Oyhavai. Avram, my beloved. Because he made such an effort to do the will of Hashem even though he didn't have to. He was prepared to give up his Yechida, his only son, his beloved son, not because he had a command to do so, as it was by Yishmael, but Dafka at a time when it was given over to him, it was completely his decision. Did he want to do it or not? This difference, this distinction between an Eved and a son, this is very, very relevant also to the day of Rosh Hashanah. A slave is not interested to stand in front of his master. He, he just wants that the, the, the meeting should end as quickly as, as, as possible. Tell me what to do and I'm out of here. By a son? No. The meeting with his father is so precious. He wants it to carry on as long as it possibly can. Therefore, Achachamim came and they added on Rosh Hashanah an additional day, an extra day to meet with Abba, Abba the king. Rosh Hashanah is the only Yom Tov that even in Eretz Yisrael, they keep two days of Yom Tov. Why? Because we want to have Hanah of meeting with our father for an extra day. We're not running away. We're not in any hurry to leave this beautiful, beautiful uh, reunion with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, Chacham commanded us, don't blow Shoifer on Rosh Hashanah, which falls out on Shabbos, as explained in, 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 in the, the Meshachach, one of the other Sameach ex- explains it, <coughs> based on the Gemara, called Shana Shalai Toikim Lobetchilas, any Shoifer, don't blow Shoifer in the beginning, could be not such a great year. He explains based on the Bahag, that these words are said only in a situation where they didn't blow because they couldn't blow, or something like that. However, when Rosh Hashanah falls on Shabbos, and we don't blow, because why? Because our Chachamim made a Takana, our Chachamim made a rule. So such a thing, that doesn't cause any Tzaras, for Klai, so it doesn't cause anything bad in, in that year. In fact, the, the, the Meshachachma carries on and explains it. At a time when we give up 
on, on blowing the shofar on Shabbos because we're worried about Chilul Shabbos as improbable as it might be, there's a tremendous, tremendous zechus. There's a tremendous benefit before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right? By doing it, we express our love to worry about HaKadosh Baruch Hu's kingdom, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's dominion in the world. That Chas V'Shalom, Hashem Shabbos, should not be broken. Because uh, Shabbos, we know, testifies about the creation of heaven and earth and about the Malchus of, of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that is so important to us. That's so harsh of us. Even at the price of giving up the zechus, the tremendous zechus that comes through the tzkias, the tzkias shayfer, and 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 mentioning the akeda that is that is alluded to in in this tria, that is the anhaga of bonim of children who do the will of Akadosh Baruch Hu out of their own choice, out of their own desire, even at the high price of giving up on 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 what might some some that might enhance. Our, our zuchuyis. And this is also the tremendous, tremendous benefit of, of, uh, of doing mitzvahs. Mitoich simcha. When a yid fulfills a mitzvah in a state of joy, he shows HaKadosh Baruch Hu that he's not doing this because he's forced to, that he has to, like a servant doing his job before his master but like a son who is so happy to do the will of, of his father. And now we can understand why Slichas needs to be said with song, with simcha, because tshuva helps only by, by sons, not by slaves. Because a father who, who, who wants to uh, push aside, wants to be moichel on his own honor, he has the right, he has the right to do so. However, a king who foregoes his own honor, he has no right, he has no right to do that. And thus, we prepare for the great day of Rosh Hashanah with trepidation, with sincere tshuva, with breaking our heart and realizing how far we've strayed from Hashem. But at the same time, we do it with a confidence, we do it with the simcha, that like a son before his father, Hashem will hear our cries. Hashem will forgive us. This is 101.9 FM, the program of Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment with our Hilchos Shabbos segment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 This is Soul to Soul. Back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh. Parshas Kisavai. Tov Shin Pei Gimel. As we get ready for Rosh Hashanah. Just two weeks away. But let's deal with Shabbos first, as we always do at this time. First, just to give you the very important times you need for this coming Shabbos. So the earliest time. To Ben Shlich this afternoon is at 4.43, 17 minutes before 5. That's the earliest time. And as I always do, let's encourage each other to try to get there, especially now in Elul. We really want to show HaKadosh Baruch Hu how precious, how dear, how excited we are about the onset of, of Shabbos. And let's do everything we can in our power to try to get there as quickly as possible, get the house in order, get ourselves bathed and, and ready, get the food on, on that tray again, whether you have to deal with uh, uh, load shedding at that time or not, have a plan, which I'm sure we all do by now, somehow of dealing with load shedding at inopportune moments on, on, Erev, on Erev Shabbos. And let's get ourselves ready. Let's begin. Let's welcome in the Kedusha of Shabbos to our homes as early as we possibly can. If you cannot make that earliest moment, then the latest, the deadline for Adlokas Neiros this Shabbos is at 5.37, 27 minutes before 6 o'clock. That really is the, the deadline. We don't want to rely 
on using any other time after that. As I said, that really is just emergency time. Time that is there for someone who really is in a desperate situation. He's stuck getting home from, from, uh, who knows where and, and, and needs those last few minutes to at least get to civilization, at least try to get to his house. Fine. Then it's condonable to use that, that time. But certainly to rely on that as, as Lechatkila, as something in the first instance that we, we know we have, oh, we have all the way until sunset, which is at five to six. That certainly is not on at all. We have to regard 537 as the moment where the house should be completely set up. Everything should be set up. All the lights that needs to be on are on. And in fact, our car keys should be away, either at home and we're going to walk to shul or in our locker at shul so we can be at shul in time for, for mincha, whatever it is, to make sure that Shabbos starts at exactly the moment. We're so careful about ending Shabbos, you know, not wanting to extend it more than we need to. Let's do the same at the beginning. Let's make sure we start Shabbos at least precisely on time. If not early, as we said, we can we can start as early as 4.43. So again, Shtir then is at 5.55, five minutes to to uh, to six. That's absolutely the latest time even in an emergency situation. Therefore, if you'd like to be able to daven myrev and not have to repeat the, the, the Shmon Esrei. So all you have to do is wait until 6.13. 6.13 is already halakhically considered to be night. And you can say the Krishma fulfill your Torah mitzvah of reciting Krishma at, uh, at, at night and then move on to, to come home and, and, and just enjoy a beautiful, beautiful, uh, uh, Shabbat evening. Stay with some good friends and some good food and some good, uh, and, and some riveting divrei Make it a beautiful, beautiful evening that, that people walk away feeling good. People, we we walk away feeling inspired. People walk away feeling happy that it was a, such a nice encounter. It was such a beautiful, beautiful interaction with, with the, uh, with, with the Shabbos. Tomorrow, we lay in Pasha's Kisavai, getting quite close to the end of the, of the Torah. Kisavai, of course, has in it at the beginning the laws of the Bikurim, and then of course the main part of the end is, is the, the blessings and, and the guarantees of great fortune and, and success that's come if a person is, is mindful and, and aware of God's precepts and keeps the mitzvahs, and then God forbids the other way around if we're not mindful, if we're not aware, if we're not doing what we're supposed to doing, then the various dire predictions of what could, could, uh, could happen in, in that, uh, in, in that situation. The Haftarah is again the sixth of the seven special Haftarahs of comfort that we, uh, that we read. Kumi oiri kivo Get up, my, my, my beloved, cause uh, your light has come, your greatness has, has come. It's a beautiful, beautiful, uh, Haftarah. And, uh, and, uh, speaks volumes about what we're trying to achieve, what we hope for, what we look forward to, which is the imminent coming of, of, uh, of, of Mashiach. Uh, the day carries on. This week's, uh, chapters of Perkyavis is again the second to last week of the, of the year. And therefore, we are going to be, uh, uh learning this week, Perik Gimel and Dalip, chapters three and four. Quite a lot there to get your mouth through, get your mind through, and let's really try to use the afternoon after we have a nice lunch and maybe a little bit of a let's spend some time doing the Pasha or or reading some Perkyavas. Make it an inspired day. Make it that Shabbos doesn't go by without us really using the time in, in a positive, beneficial, spiritual kind of way. Of course, you want to spend time with the family. You want to do all the things that we like doing on Shabbos, absolutely. But find some time also for HaKadosh Baruch Hu in, in, in your, in your, in your life. So the Shabbos Kodesh tomorrow night ends at 627. 627 is the ending time for, for Shabbos. It keeps progressively getting later every week. And before you know it, we'll be in the middle of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of summer. Okay, we are learning the laws of boirer, of separation. We spoke about three conditions that are necessary for an act not to be boirer. And we're up to discussing the one condition, which is that the separation has to be done by hand and not with a professional implement usually used for separating. And uh, actually, we mentioned this already before, that you're allowed to take something edible, something you want 
from amongst a mixture of things that you don't want as you're eating it or as part of the preparation of the imminent preparation for a meal, you're allowed to take those the, the, the edible things out. Right? And one of we said one of the three conditions for that was that the separation should be done by hand and not with an implement that is specifically used for separation. Let's say, for example, if someone has uh, 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 sunflower seeds, right, and uh, and he has some of them that are already uh, shelled, and they're mixed together with the shells. So even if you want to eat those uh, the seeds right away, right away now, still it would be forbidden for him to sort of strain the 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 shells and the and the and the seeds in such a way using any kind of a net or something like that where the seeds would uh, would go through and the and the, the the peels would stay would stay behind that would be absolutely forbidden because he's using a vessel that is set aside and and used specifically for this kind of uh, of, of of separation a a fork or a spoon are not uh, uh, vessels that are specially set aside for selection. They are on the contrary. Their main purpose is to help your hands to be able to hold the food. You're not you're not going to eat with your hands. You're going to eat with an implement instead of with your hands. Therefore, you'd be allowed to use your fork or or, or, or knife to to extract the food item that you want to eat from amongst the item that you don't want to eat. Let's say, for example, if you have a uh, a cooked a cooked dish, which has uh, several types of different foods uh, in it, so you'd be allowed to gather with your fork all the type of food, the species of food that you specifically want to eat, right? And uh, and uh, and then. You know, leave the rest in your plate and eat that food that you want to eat. Eat it straight away. That is completely, that is completely uh, permitted. Now, uh, you are not allowed to de-pip. Let's say you have olives and you want to get rid of the pips. So you may not use them with the help of a special uh, implement, a special tool that is, is uh, set aside for de-pipping uh, olives because he's doing that with a special implement that is set aside and, and, and used distinctly for that item, for the separation of that item, that you may not do on on, uh, on on Shabbos. Often in salt cellars, so besides the salt, we often put pieces of rice in order that it should absorb whatever moisture is there and stop the 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 salt from actually sort of becoming uh, big bigger uh, clumps. And even though usually the the holes of the salt cellar are very small, and only the salt is going to be able to uh, escape via those holes, so still you're allowed to use that on Shabbos because this is not considered a vessel that's especially set aside for separation. It's only uh, the main point of this vessel is to scatter the salt, right? Where, where you know, in, in the, amount, the amount that you that you want. The proof is that even if there were no uh, rice particles in in the salt, you would still use the 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 salt cellar, and therefore you're allowed to use it, even though the rice is in uh, is in is inside. Okay, we're going to stop here, and we'll come back with a few last comments in our next segment. In the meantime, this is 101.9. The program is Soul to Soul, and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Air Shabbos Kodesh. We are talking boire, and we're talking about removing pips and removing peels. Allah says, you're allowed to remove the peels of fruits in order to eat them. And even though you are removing what is basically 
psalis, something I don't want, uh, in order to get to that which I want, which sounds like a recipe for disaster, for violation of, of, uh, of the malacha, right? You, you're taking the psalis away from the food. So in this case, it's not also at all, because that's the way you eat that fruit, which has a, a peel on it. Therefore, You'll be allowed to to uh, uh, peel uh, garlic, or onions, or nuts, or eggs, or grapefruits, or a banana, or oranges, and all those kind of things, provided that you're peeling them in order to eat them <coughs> straight away. But if you're peeling them to eat them later, that will be awesome because that is considered malacha. That's not called uh, eating. At that point, right, um, and and also, if your intention is to eat them right away, you'll be allowed to remove the peel even with a knife, because a knife is a is a vessel that's intended just to help you to eat. It's not considered a a tool of the malacha of of a uh, Now, let's say you're eating a plum. When you get to the pip, so you're allowed to throw away the pip and to continue eating, right? Or if you're eating a, an apricot or 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 a, or a date, so then you can open them up and obviously check them that they don't have any worms, and then you can throw away the pip and and eat them because that is the way it's usually. Uh, eaten. That's, that's what the Mishnah Bura says in, in Shinchaf, Shinchaf Aleph. Someone opens a, a melon in order to eat it straight away. So you're allowed to throw away all the pips that are inside. Right? Because, uh, uh, taking them out is like removing a, a, the peel. Right? And, and similarly, you'll be allowed to remove the, the peel of a lemon, a lemon, or let's say of a, of a, of a watermelon. Just before you're going to eat it. And also you'd be allowed to remove the, uh, the stalk that connects a fruit to the, to the, you know, to the tree when it's growing. Just before you're going to, you're going to eat it. All of that is, is mutu because that's the way we eat. That's the way we get the food to eat. And, and therefore that is, that is uh, permitted. Okay, that's enough for today. We're going to stop here and send us all on our way to get ready and scurry off and do our last minute Shabbos preparations. I want to take this opportunity for thanking all of you for being part of our show, for joining us. And Bez Hashem, I want to wish everyone a beautiful, warm, inspired Shabbos as we start gearing up and getting ready for Rosh Hashanah. And just thank you for being part of our family and to wish every single one of our radio listeners a good, good bench Shabbos.